Welcome back, back, back to Young Money Mindset, hosted by Luke Caricia and Robbie Holmcross. From, from the ground up, where we talk about mindset, real estate, the hustle, and everything to help you achieve your dreams. All right, guys, welcome back to Young Money Mindset. We got a great episode here. We are trying some new things out, so hopefully everything comes through pretty solid on the audio side. Um, why don't you jump into it, Robbie, in terms of some some of the Turo info and some of the business stuff you got going on? Yeah, so I'll jump right into it here. We, uh, I know I had talked a while back about you know passive income, how we can use our earned income to kind of create those passive incomes. Um, one of the big things that I had talked about doing was Turo. So some of you guys know I did actually go out and actually finally purchase a vehicle. Um, so I bought a brand new Toyota Corolla. She's a she's a mean motherfucker, I'll tell you. Really? Um, <laughs> um but yeah, so I paid uh I paid a little over twenty five thousand for it. I think it was twenty five three nineteen I paid for it. Um so my payments on that, I put three grand down, so my payments on it are about four thirty a month, insurance about one sixty. Um, this first month on, I just about broke even. Um, I've got a guy at the airport that runs it for me. So I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't hundred percent hands off, you know, passive income for me is, you know, you don't even look at it. You make the one-time investment or whatever, you know, maybe you've got a maintenance it every once in a while. Um, but the reason I did it is cause I want something to make money, you know, while I'm sleeping or not even looking at it. Um, so I got a guy at the Phoenix airport that runs it. He charges me 10% of profits plus 168 bucks. Um, that's on top a good of that. deal though. I mean, 168 bucks and then 10% of net. Yeah. That's yeah. Solid. So really not bad. So this first month I broke even, um, he told me that the book rate wasn't all that on it because it was a new car. Um, so when you're scrolling through, you know, Turo, it, it shows us having zero trips. It's not an all-star car yet or whatever they call it. Um, so now that it's got some trips under its belt, it's got some good reviews and obviously we're heading into the holidays, heading into the, you know, the more busy season here for Arizona. He said it should do better. So, um, I'll keep you guys updated, let you know what we make on it, um, this coming up month, but for this first month broke even, so not mad about it, but definitely not excited about it either. No, but that's great. I mean, so, I mean, breaking even though, and as you're kind of in that initial phase, I mean, they say, you know, with the new business, if you can break even those first few months until you can get to a profitable level, level, it's better than losing, obviously losing yeah. money the first couple months, but yeah. I mean, later on down the road, let's say you do get those trips and everything, you know, the all-star or whatever that badge is, I would imagine your your bookings have to go up, right? The yeah. The trips you get? Yeah, trips go up and then um, obviously that price, you can kind of average out, find that happy medium where people are actually renting it at. Um, I think he went on initially a little strong. I think he had it on like $67 a day. Realistically, you know, you could be more towards like 55, 60 bucks a day and and those few dollars do actually make a big difference, you know, when you've got as many cars available as you do. Yeah, with the volume too. Yeah. So is your plan then, is it just to, to hold the one car right now or do you plan on scaling that and getting two, three, four, 10, 15 cars? Yeah, top? well, I would love, I mean, they say, you know, if you do everything right, you should be profiting about 700 bucks to a thousand a month. Um, per but car? Per car, per car. So they say at about five cars, you know, you know you're doing pretty well. It's an extra 50 Gs a year or so. Um, but I think where I went wrong with, with what I did is that I, I was shopping around a little bit. Originally, I had told you guys I was looking at like Fiat's and stuff. I ended up going with a Toyota 
because, well, first of all, there's not a lot of new cars available right now. So it was one of the only newer ones I could find. And I like the reliability factor of it, but my purchase price is pretty high. So my payments are pretty high. I think more of the happy medium with the market that we're in right here is to buy a car that's around 20 G's or so. Um, and it doesn't really matter what type of car it is because realistically, you're only going to hold it for about two years. Um, so on this first go, I was like, you know, you know, I drive a Honda now. I was like, I want a Toyota, you know, Japanese made. It's it's going to be reliable. In reality, I probably should have bought something a little cheaper, about nineteen twenty thousand, because regardless of the brand of car, typically it's going to be running fine for those first couple of years, you know. Um, so next go around, I'll probably buy something with some miles on it and maybe like a Kia or, or a Fiat or something a little cheaper. Um, cause even those are renting for about $50 a day and you can pick them up for, you know, 17,000 to $21,000, you know? Yeah. And would you go, I guess, would you go the, the new route again, or like from a dealership or would you look into going like, you know, private lending or like going to a bank, getting a loan and then going directly to like a private seller? Yeah. I mean, still financing it, you know, but through a private seller, you're probably saving dealer doc title and, you know, yeah. title and, or you're going to pay title and reg, but you're going to not, not pay taxes, I guess, on it as well. So yeah. That, well, definitely something to consider, but with the way the market is right now, I mean, I don't know how many of you guys have done car shopping in the last couple of years, but I mean, there's, there's, Use Toyota Corollas that are two years old that have 20, 30,000 miles on it that are going for more than the $25,000 that I paid for my brand new one. So for me, for, for the long-term game, which is kind of where I think I made a mistake because I was trying to play the long-term game as far as not losing a bunch of equity in it by the time I go to sell. But with what I'm trying to do, I should have been more focused on the short-term payment game to be profiting that first month. So actually, I actually, well, since I've, since I financed it, I didn't have a payment for the first month. So sure. I profited, I guess. Um, but I definitely could have played that a little better and maybe put no money down and got a little bit cheaper of a car to kind of turn that profit right off the bat because two years down the road, you're going to sell it anyway. So it doesn't really matter. I see. So, and then sell it in two years, basically, you know, hopefully break even on the car, right? Or a little bit on the car. Ideally. Yeah. And then go roll it basically. Yeah. Essentially you'd roll it in, um, trade it in, obviously avoid the taxes there as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was learning curve. I originally, honestly, if they would have had two Toyota Corollas there when I went to buy mine, I would have bought them both. And they actually ended up selling the other one that they had the morning of before I could get there. So I went in and bought this one. Um, somewhat grateful that they sold that one there in the morning because I got to learn for this first month. Um, so we'll have to see. I'll kind of have to wait and see what it looks like through this busy season and kind of see if I want to re-enter or if maybe I want to go a different route with the passive side of things, you know? Yeah, no, I, I love that, man. And I love that, you know, you're, you're branching out and looking at different opportunities and, and, you know, wearing your, your business owner hat, I think is awesome because it's like, you know, you're obviously got your real estate business rocking and rolling now, you know, you're crushing it in that, but now you're also looking at other streams, which yeah. I think is great because it's like, you don't have necessarily all your eggs just in that one basket. You're trying to diversify that in a sense yeah, and really start bringing in. And even if it's, you know, 50 grand a year, I mean, that's, that's some real deal. Money. It helps, you know, I, yeah. if you can cover your expensive, your groceries, your rent and, and, you know, f- making 50 grand a year. I mean, that covers a couple of vacations for the year as well. Yeah. I know um, you and your vacations, dog. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh he's thinking he's you know, right. a couple we, we work so we can play. We work so we can play. Um, but it, it's again, again, it's, it's finding a good mix in that. Right. So, you, you know, you mix the investments with, with the fun stuff as well. So I love it, but no, you got to have a good, and that's, you know, one thing, you know, we, we talk about as well. 
Um, and I think we actually talked about it on the last couple of episodes is like finding that balance. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, my, I guess my mindset hasn't changed a whole lot on it. I probably might be changing here soon, but, um, you know, I think it's more or less like that pendulum. Right. So I swing it towards work. I work, you know, crazy, crazy hours and then swing it back towards play and yeah. kind of just try to balance it that and, way. And being a hundred percent focused on whatever or wherever you are at that time. Right. You know, if you're, if, if you're with your lady at dinner, you know, you're not on your phone answering clients and whatnot, vice versa. If you're sitting at your desk, you know, you're not on the phone with your lady. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's swinging that pendulum, but being a hundred percent when you do it to wherever that pendulum's pointing, you know, yeah, exactly. And being present. And that's one thing this team has definitely helped out on, um, is, is being that, you know, we have the team now and, and these guys, guys are rocking and rolling and doing their thing it's nice because it's like if i do get a call it's like hey luke didn't answer man i'm calling you know sean or hey i'm calling this guy or yeah. this guy you got a couple leaders now that you can kind of start to lean on and leverage out and exactly yeah. and then you know they're happy as well because it's like hey man you know i'm willing to take a call at six or seven and if hey if you can't take it some days i'll take it so right. it kind of helps you know each other out in that sense so that's that's been awesome um, but kind of shifting gears here, I appreciate you filling us in on that. I had no idea he went with the Turo, but that's, I remember you talking about it. So I'm glad you, you went through and, yeah. and did it, pulled the trigger on it. Um, so, I mean, making money in a downward market in real estate, kind of shifting gears into real estate here. Um, what would you say is really like the most important thing to focus on? Because I have two really in mind, but I yeah. want to hear your perspective on that one. You know, so I've actually had quite a few people over the course of the last few months since we started to feel the pressure kind of ask me like, you know, how's, how's business? What are you going to do? Are you, are you, are you okay? And I'm like, I think it's, uh, to me, it's almost, it's, it's comedy how much these people are like freaking out about this. And like, I, I'll say the same thing to you that I say to everybody else. It's like, dude, I'm going to keep doing what I do. Like I'm I, at the end of the day, that's all I'm going to do is keep doing exactly what I was doing. And I'm going to do it better and harder and focus on the relationship side of things, because at the end of the day, I have zero control over what the market does or what the Fed does or what the general population thinks the market is. At the end of the day, you know, there's still going to be over 90,000 homes in Arizona that are going to close over the next 12 months. And I only need to be a part of a very small percentage of those. So I'm going to find the people that need to buy. I'm going to find the people that need to sell. And I'm going to take advantage of it. At the end of the day, we're not really in the business of sales. You know, we're here to help people. So I'm going to focus on finding those people that need my help. And that's what I'm going to do, you know? Yeah, I like that perspective on it. And it's, you know, it's kind of like what we always reiterate on this pod is like control what's controllable. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's exactly. all you can do is control what's controllable. And that's something that I always, you know, talk with my guys about is like, you know, you can't, you can't control the market and you can choose not to participate when things are out of your control. You know, don't, don't participate in those kind of activities yeah. that you can't control. Right. Yeah. Like I can't control whether the market goes up or down. So I'm not going to sit there and worry about the market and this and that. And, Oh, yeah. what about this? And what are interest rates doing? And, you know, why did these two deals fall out? And this one's going, you know, solid and there's no issues on it. So I, I absolutely agree with that perspective. One thing, you know, that, that I was talking about recently with Katrina was the fact that I think really the game we're in is psychology in a sense, right? Because as this market shifts and changes and it's out of your control, you just can't let that mess with your psyche in terms of what your activities look like, what your actions look like. Cause right. what I unfortunately see some people do is they get in this downward spiral of all this negativity, yeah. which is really easy to do. Um, and then, you know, it affects their actions. It stuns them. You know, they stop cause they're frozen cause they're scared of what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. 
And then it, you know, then that is like a snowball, you know, then you're not prospecting and then that snowballs. And then yeah. it's like in the book, fin- uh, fanatical prospecting, they talk about if you stop prospecting, you don't feel it the next day, right? Yeah. You feel it months down the line. So yeah. if you are, you know, in sales right now and you're in real estate or whatever sales you're doing, um, one thing that got the guy at the Verizon store even told me is like, Oh, are you okay? Are you, you're in real estate, dude. I saw the E key on your phone when I was looking at your phone. Are you doing all right? And it's like, yeah, man, you're in sales. I'm in sales. Like the only thing we can do is control what's controllable and keep pressing forward. So I think we're all in the same boat. So if you're in sales, you're in real estate, whatever sales you're in, just focus on what's controllable. Yeah. Yeah. And double down on it. I mean, you're really not going to change anything. I mean, the, the, the way we're structuring offers and talking to clients and those conversations that we've had are a little different, but you know, you're, you're running into a lot more clients. I think right now that have needs instead of wants, you know, over the past two, which I've never experienced that market, you know, I've only been in the market, you know, 18 months now. Um, but I mean, I'm running into a lot of people that, that have needs and you're able to fulfill those needs as opposed to people that are like, hey, I, I want a new house because there's low interest rates, you know. So I almost think it's easier working with people right now because either they're in or they're out. You know, when it was a want, it was like a, you know, if I find the shiny object, I'll take it. But right now it's like you, you either need it or you don't. So we're either going to work together and I'm going to help you do what you need to do or, you know, we'll revisit in 18 months, two years, whatever it is when it's a better market for you. Yeah. And it's I, like a need versus a want, especially in real estate. I mean, you know, everyone needs a home, right? You need right. a place to live. So if you're moving out of state for a job, it's like, you need to sell your house. Yeah. You got to be re- realistic on the price versus, you know, the market we were just in is like, Hey, you know, I- I'm getting a new job and I want substantially more than what the market will bear. And it's like, at that time you kind of had to just go with it. Right. I yeah. mean, you took a lot of listings back then where it was like, you know, you're sitting down looking at comps and you're like, hey, we could theoretically sell 30 grand, 50 grand, maybe 60 grand over the list. Really right? know. <laughs> Wherever like, you want to list, we'll throw it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll test the market, <laughs> right? So I think there is a lot to be said about a need versus want. Um, I have a client actually right now that, you know, has a really beautiful home and surprise, very realistic on price, already purchasing a new home. So they need to get this one sold. And it's it's a different conversation when you're when you're talking to those sellers because it's like, hey, we need to be realistically under, you know, these comps. Like yeah. that's that's just the market we're in right now. And sure enough, you know, the beautiful homes, you know, like we were talking about, they're still selling. You yeah, know, there's 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 still buyers out there that need to buy a home that are still buying them. So I, I agree with you though, jumping in, taking, capturing, you know, whatever market share you can of those ninety thousand homes is how we're going to stay in business, you know, through this, through this downturn. Yeah. Yeah. And I did, I did the math on it. I think it's like 0.00005% of those 90,000 that I I need to close to hit my goal. Exactly. It's like, like, dude, it's, it's going to be harder, but it's, it's almost going to be easier because there's so many agents that have already have the mindset right now that it's going to be harder. So they're making it harder. So it's, 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 it's making them stop where they're at and they're just not working. And I've even seen it, with, with my closer friends in the real estate business, people that I work with on my team and my past team and stuff, you know, you've seen them kind of start to freak out, you know, and it's like, all you can do is, you know, take your client's situation in, give them the facts and and let them make the decision that's best for themselves. Dude, I had a, I had an agent that, that we both know call me and was like, Hey man, I'm getting out of the business. Like anything I get, just pay me a referral fee on and 
you know, that's it. Yeah. Like, and we'll you know, see a lot of that. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it, you know, it's just another opportunity, right? So it's like working all angles, you know, obviously we're, we're out prospecting, but right now, you know, our relationships that we've built with current agents is invaluable because it's like, if they end up leaving the business, they're going to need to refer their clients to someone. Yeah. You know, who are they going to do it to the people they know, like, and trust. Right. So it's like, be that good person, even if someone is going through a hard time right now, or if they're struggling with their mindset or they're struggling with their finances, still be that ear form, still be that person providing real value to them, shooting them straight, you know, trying to lift them up. Yeah. And one thing I see a lot of is, you know, people, you know, sometimes don't want to be, they don't want to lift someone up to their level because they think it takes away from themselves. Yeah. And it's, it's really sad to see because it's like, you know, if you take someone and lift them up to your level, doesn't mean that you go down you know, yeah. at all. Yeah. It actually helps you propel you to the next level. Yeah. So that's one thing that I, I've really been trying to, you know, learn about and study. And I, I know I got a lot of work to still get there, but, um, it's just coming from it, from a humble approach and, and really helping and leading with that value. Yeah. And that's a really weird psychological thing, isn't it? I mean, it I think it's, 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 it's almost across the board, you know, everybody kind of has that, but I mean, if you can take people and nurture them and coach them up and then they excel past you, I mean, just, just from like a, from a personal standpoint, I mean, that's, that's a great feeling, you know, to be able to coach somebody up and, and, and show them how they can improve themselves and be the best version of themselves. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really weird psychological thing that a lot of people have trouble with is is wanting good for people around them, but not better than themselves. You know, like I want you to do great, but not as good as me or not better than me. You know, it's really a, a weird it, thing. It's a weird mindset though, too, because when you think about it, it's like that person, you know, I, I guess it's really a scarcity mindset to yeah. me. I mean, that that to me is what it screams. That yeah. you're you have a fragile ego and you have a scarcity mindset because it's like there's enough deals for us to all go around. Yeah. Like I, I wanted, I truly want to see you crush it because I know it's not going to affect me and what I got going on. Yeah. It makes no difference for what my life is going to look like in five, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Yeah. Like in reality, you know, if you can kind of flip that mindset over, like the more successful people, you know, I mean, what's the saying we all know yeah. you surround yourself with successful people. Who's the next successful person? You, yeah. right? So if you're more successful, you know, than me, it's like, cool, I'm going to learn things from you and it's probably going to help me become more successful. Yeah. Which is what we do. You know, every time we hop on the phone, you know, I'm learning something from you. You're learning something from me. You know, we have, we sat down before we started this podcast and we've been talking for an hour and a half, you know, know. We, we popped into, into our office here to, to record this. And, you know, we just sit down and we start spitballing because we both have all these ideas built up and we're both trying to make moves uh, and we're able to kind of play it off of each other. And, and we both want to see each other win. And yeah. I think that's why this works so well. I, I think so as well. And I, you know, I think too, speaking on that for a second is like, we're both not like when you come to me and it's like, dude, I, I got this Turo thing going and I got this going. Like, I don't think of it as like you're bragging or you're like, you're trying to tell me like how good you are. Right. Like I, yeah. I look at it from like a standpoint of like, man, that's awesome. That's killer. Like I'm, I'm so happy for you. Like, truly, yeah. you know, like genuinely. So where a lot of people, like I struggle going to some people of like uh, my other friends that like, I don't want to necessarily go to them. Like I can you and be like, dude, this is what I got going on, bro. I'm buying this or I'm doing that Yeah. because I don't want it to come off in a sense of like, oh, look at you, you know, right. Cause you're excited something. about it. Yeah, yeah. But you're like, you know, it's like, oh, look at me, you know, but yeah. that's, that's not what it is. Right. So yeah. it, it's something that, that I really, really enjoy. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy as well. And listen to the podcast, you know, obviously provides value. Hopefully is, yeah. is the goal. <laughs> So um, what habits are you putting in place right now to keep your mindset in check? Because I think right now is 
one of the most important times to do that. Yeah, I've uh, I think recently I've had a big switch in my mindset um, from we've we've always talked about like commission breath and like chasing a check and everything else, and I think I've really kind of switched my business model into like how many people can I help with what they need. Um, and it kind of segues into something else. I just started a new book. It's called Go Giver. And I actually wasn't searching for that book. I was searching for a book called Ninja Selling. And this was this one accidentally popped up. But it intrigued me because you I've always heard, like, dude, you're such a go-getter. Like you're a hustler. You're you're such, you know what I mean? You're you're a go-getter. And I was like, cool, that's that's awesome. But when you think about like go giver, you know, it's it's like it's like what can you give? without the expectation of receiving because the receiving comes with the more that you give and the more that you help, you know, other people. So I think for me, my mindset right now is so far away from money. Like I have money goals, but it, it for me, it's lately, it's been how, how much can I educate people that need the knowledge that I have, you know, and like, how can I help people through a process that they don't know and and make sure that they're very well taken care of and understand it by the end of it and feel like at the end of it, like, wow, like Robbie gives a damn about me and I'll use him again and I'll send him my friends because he knows the process and he cares about the process and not about his paycheck, but about the house that I'm getting or or how much closing costs I get up front because it's going to help me for the long term. So, um, Going off of that, again, it's just for me, I've been in, in a giving mindset. Like, what can I do for others as opposed to what can I do that I'm going to get a return for? You know? I, yeah. I, that, that rings true to me in so many different levels because it's, it's exactly what you said. It's a, a giver mindset, right? And to me, I guess I associate that a lot with just extreme amounts of value and just being authentic and real. Cause I think at the end of the day, you know, there's people out there that that say, oh, I lead with value, but maybe they, the other person on the other side doesn't feel that. Yeah. And I think it comes back to like the, the way you make people feel is what they're going to remember in my opinion. So it's like the way, you know, when I'm walking you through a transaction and I'm going above and beyond, right. Whether it's closing, like whatever, there's so many different angles, but like, if I can make you leave that, that, that interaction feeling like, man, you know, not only did he, he really care about it, but I really genuinely like that person for the person they are. To me, it's like, it's the ultimate long game. Right. And I know we've talked about that in the past because it's like, people want to work with people they like, you know? And I I think if, you know, and, and not everyone, I guess the thing is that, that, you know, I always go back to and circle around is like, not everyone's going to like you. And like those people maybe are not the best clients for you. So yeah. It's it's also coming at it from a humble standpoint of like, hey, I'm not the perfect fit for everyone, but you know damn well I'll try my hardest for every single person that gives me an opportunity and some will work, some won't. But you know, the ones that do work out are gonna be lifelong. I'm talking lifelong friends, you know, damn near family members at the yeah, end of it. Because, absolutely. You know, it's not on a surface level relationship where it's like, Oh, that's my agent. Yeah, it's realtors help me buy a house here and there, right? Yeah. It's like, hey. Yeah, that's Luke. He's my agent. You know, also like yeah. I'll go have a drink with him or I'll go have lunch or, you know, we'll kick it and uh, and go do something else. Yeah. So uh, I, I really like that. And I guess that really brings the next topic up here because 
one thing that I guess I've been been struggling with, and you know, not everything is rainbows and sunshines. I, I read that Rocky quote recently, and it's like <laughs> everyone's gonna we get punched in the mouth, and this world's like a, a nasty place sometimes, and it can be really difficult. And I think the more successful you get, the harder those punches are, and the the, the harder the lessons you have to learn. And I guess one thing on my end, and you know, kind of switching the the topic here is like, what is one thing? Like, what's one of your weaknesses that you know is a weakness that you're actively trying to work on or that you're just self-aware of? Yeah. Well, I think that's something I can kind of dive back into with what we were just talking about. And I I know my biggest weakness is nurturing relationships. And that's with my friends. That's with my family. That's with my clients. And that's the biggest thing in my life that I've been trying to address lately because I do care, but I'm very bad about making other people understand and know that I care. Um, And I always play it off or not play it off. I I, I am busy. So like, that's kind of what I always like lean on is like, you know, I'm busy at work. So like, that's why I don't reach out to my buddies back home. That's why I don't talk to people all the time. That's why I I don't have, I don't, you know, I don't talk to all my family members on the phone every week, you know, and that's by far a fault of my own. Um, And I've even noticed this lately with, or not lately, but I I noticed it previously with like clients, whereas like I would have trouble like making a follow-up call to a past client to be like, how are you doing? Because all of my calls before were like, how can I sell you a house? So for me, it's been like, and it's been a lot easier for me, like just trying to address it because I do care about my clients, you know, and I, I do have a great relationship with a lot of my clients, you know, and I think over the past few months, it's gotten a lot easier for me to like you know just shoot them a text you know if i see something like the the ufc fights were on the other night and like um i was talking to one of my clients about the jake paul fight and all that you know because it's like and that wasn't an ungenuine conversation that was like hey i thought of you dude like you're a good buddy of mine like you know what i mean and shooting off that text whereas like before it was it was like almost awkward for me to do that if it wasn't about business um so again it's like a go-giver like what can you help people with and i'm trying to turn my business into more of like a people business and not a money business, you know? And so for me, it's just been focusing on nurturing those relationships and showing people that I care and being vocal about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I guess, you know, segueing off of that is like, you know, I, one of my clients, Chris, um, I sold him a house probably close to two years now. Um, and it's like, we still talk about crypto. Like that's, mm-hmm. uh, he's like a crypto guy. So like, he'll hit me like, oh, do you see the markets today? Speaking of the markets, Bitcoin dropped to like 17 grand a day. Did it really? So like, he was like <laughs> first one, like on the charts, like, dude, Luke, do you see crypto, bro? How are you doing? Yeah. And like, we're going back and forth, but it's, it's, it is good to like, see that also be reciprocated or Jeez, I can't talk um, to be, you know, like basically a two way street on in the sense of like, you're reaching out like to your clients, like, Hey, how are you? But they're also reaching out to you. Right. Like, hey man, how are you doing? I, you know, I've, I saw the headlines. How's, how's business? Yeah. You know, how's, how's Katrina? How's this? And one thing that's been really neat too, with Katrina getting her license is she's doing a lot of my showings now. So like, they don't just know me anymore. They know Katrina as well. So yeah. It's kind of like, you know, they know like kind of my whole family, right? Like, right. You know, my, my whole life. Really. Yeah. So and that's been an interesting thing, but one of my, I guess one of my biggest weaknesses and something that I've been really, really focusing on is kind of along the go giver line, but it's, it's different in a sense of like, I'm really trying to detach from the mindset of someone that owns a company and someone that is a true leader. 
Um, and I, I think there's very, you know, like I read a quote that was like, the only way to lead is to lead, you know, by example there, it's not like, Oh, that's the best way to lead. It's the only way to lead. Yeah. So I've just been doing a lot of work in like figuring out like, how can I not only provide for my family, but also take on the responsibility of other people's, you know, families, because that's what you do as a leader in a sense is you are, you know, taking on some sort of responsibility and really providing every single ounce of emotional and, you know, just every single ounce of your being to this person for their success. And it's really hard to do because it's like, you're so focused in, like you were saying on, on, man, how busy I am, man, I got this to do. I got this to do. I got this to do. It's hard for me to stop and say, well, I got this to do, and these guys got this to do. How can I focus, you know, what they have to do and kind of set my stuff away and work on that either after hours, before hours, and really focus in on, on the team. So that's one thing that I guess is a weakness of mine is figuring out how to be a better leader. And Jocko Willink is someone that, man, like rings, like hits me on so many different levels because he was a military leader. And in the military, it's a whole different leadership style in a sense that, you know, you live with these people, you go to war with these people, you die with these people. So it's literally your entire life is on the line, you know, and how good your leader is could literally determine if you're living or dead, you know, after, at the end of a tour. So to me, obviously not on that level, but <laughs> it's just, you know, taking that same intensity, right. And trying to apply it to a real estate company is, is what I'm, yeah. where I'm at. And it's not life and death, but, but it really is. I mean, you're taking these people's livelihood and they're entrusting you to make sure that they're able to survive and put food on the table and, and everything else. And, it's probably not even something that you thought about going into this, did you? It's no, it's not. You know, because we had conversations about this before you had even put even an office up front in there and, and got even hired your first guy. And I don't think the leadership aspect was really something that we had even thought about. It was more so like, how do we train these dudes to underwrite? How do how are we gonna make sure our profit margins are good? How are we gonna like, you know, it wasn't even like, well, shoot, how do I lead these guys to where they know that I care about them and value them and and trust them? Um I mean, I can tell it's something that you've been going through lately because you've been progressing and, and constantly thinking about it, you know, and every time you've got like a, a new outlook on what you've done for these guys and how they've progressed. And it's been, dude, it's been really cool to see what you've done in such a short amount of time and the confidence that your guys have now that are in that leadership role. And even like talking to them at your Halloween party and stuff. I mean, like those guys are excited to be where they're at and the trust that they have for you and the process that you guys are going through is, is very impressive. Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate that. And it's, it's something that, you know, I've been really focusing it on and, and really, you know, putting, you know, first in the business world for me is like, not only that, but also making sure that like, you know, the things that I'm teaching these guys are, you know, constantly evolving and I'm, I'm out at conferences, you know, I'm going, it's pushing me to grow, even past like what I was doing originally for myself, which is very weird if you, if you think about it, because it's like when I was just in business for, you know, just myself, it's like, Oh, whatever. I'm going to, I'm not going to go to that. You know, I'm going to take this weekend off, but like I've been working seven days a week weekends, primarily focusing in on learning, growing. And I guess when I, when I went out on my own, it's, it's been a different thing because it's like, there's no one there like setting these events up or these trainings up and like, Hey, go to this training. It's like, I got to go seek that out and figure out like, Hey, where's the next event? 
where can I go? Where can I learn? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's been awesome too. Just yeah. get, getting out there and seeing different perspectives. Yeah. So I'm super, super stoked on that. And, um, I appreciate you, you let me know about, you know, what you were saying earlier, like with just seeing my, my progression, because I think when you're in it, it's hard to, to realize it. Yeah. But I mean, just even seeing like, you know, Delon, one of our, our acquisition managers, he now is, you know, like he just signed a, a lease and he's got like his own spa. And it's just cool to see these guys like taking, you know, what you've provided in a sense to them, like knowledge wise, applying it, hunting the deals, getting the deals and then make, reaping the rewards and then enjoying the rewards too. Yeah. And he's got, he's like setting up vacations. He's getting ready to go travel. And I'm like, Hey man, like, let's get you out there traveling. Like for real, like let's get you out there traveling. And you know, that was part of the training I did. I don't, I don't think I mentioned this to you, but like at the whole, like one whole module in that training is working remote. Yeah. So it's all, we have all like basically systems for them to still attend our meetings, still attend everything, but remote. Yeah. And that's really the direction we're going is hiring more remote. And even the guys in office, are going to have that ability to be remote and have all the systems in place to work remote. So that's been exciting even for myself as well, because it's like, when I go travel, you know, I don't necessarily have to be there, but we can still be working together, you know, remote. And that's the day and age we're in right now. I mean, everybody wants to work remote, you know, the, the, the brick and mortar is kind of going away with the way we do business nowadays. You know, we can pretty much do everything over the phones. Yeah. And one of the, I guess one, another challenge I I ran into on that. And if you are, you know, building a a remote team or you're thinking about it, like one of my biggest challenges was how do you build a culture with the remote work? You know, and I, I think a lot of companies struggle with that because it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard to build culture when you're not rubbing elbows with them and seeing them and joking around, you know, you're in your office at home, they're in their office, wherever, and it's like, how do you keep that culture alive? So yeah. there's a lot of things that I've been implementing to, to maintain that. Um, on our last topic here, one thing, you know, that I've been thinking um, about transitioning over to with this, with this podcast is if you wanted to start doing biweekly pods. I got my calendar right here. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's anything that, you know, our listeners want us to cover, um, feel free to let us know on that because that's something that me and Robbie are working on as well right now is figuring out what our next steps are basically with this podcast. Yeah, uh, definitely. We, we've got some good ideas. Um, you know, we definitely want to branch out. We've actually, we just hit our one year mark. So we shot our first episode last Halloween, actually. So we just crossed that barrier. Um, I think when we first started, we had a goal of every two weeks. Um, so I think we ended up putting out about 15 episodes for that. I guess you can call it our season or whatever. Yeah. Uh, first, season, first season. Yeah. So this is, yeah. This might be first episode, second season. It is, dude. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got some ideas. We'd like to record them, uh, maybe get them out on YouTube, start bringing some guests in. Um, but if you guys have ideas, I mean, we would love to hear them. Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys probably follow us on socials and everything else. But I mean, anything you guys got, if you guys got topics you want to talk about or things that have been on your mind, things that you struggle with, you know, we can kind of give you perspective on how we deal with different things. Um, but we're open to, to all opportunities and all suggestions. So yeah, and, just doing, us. and doing different segments too, I think with guests will be a game changer for us, you know, bringing on different perspectives and different skill levels, different experience levels, and just really making the whole podcast about giving, you know, being a go giver. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for tuning in to today's pod. And, um, like, you know, we had mentioned if you can leave us a review, that'd be greatly appreciated. 
and we'll see you guys in the next one. Appreciate you guys. We'll catch you next time.